You're listening to Kapow, the pop culture podcast. Comics, television, movies, and more. If it impacts fan culture, we have something to say about it. And now, your hosts, Jordan, Cliff, and Seth. Hey, everybody, and welcome back for a very special, fun, exciting episode of Kapow! The Pop Cultured Podcast. My name is Jordan Lowe. I'm Cliff Barnes. I'm Seth. We're calling it now. Already, it's going to be a fun and exciting. It is. I'm getting the stakes high. Cool. Well, I I uh, I came up with this idea like six months ago, right? Yep, at least everybody cried about it, and I'm sure no one prepared that we were going to do this. Even not till this afternoon. Not right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, we we have we need, we decided we needed a fourth for this, and Coach Mayor was was probably busy right sure so sure. we went we got no he was our first choice oh <laughs> oh sorry sorry we we told coach mayor no we said sorry we have to give it to the flavorite the the most important family member of the lows let's give it up for justin low hey everybody welcome it's your second time on the podcast. That's right. Returning guest, and I've still never been in the room with you guys. Oh, my gosh. Well, you helped us out on our review of the Dark Tower movie, which I don't think anyone listened to because no <laughs> one saw that movie. But it was a good episode. You should go back and, and uh, check it out. Yeah. That was a while ago. And we've we've now we've perfected. We've got better equipment. We're, we're streaming, we're, we're using Skype, we're Skyping, all this stuff that we never know how to do, It's and Jordan is playing with buttons. Yeah, good. Hit the mic right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, anyway, what are we doing? We're doing a top ten. Uh, top ten? That's, that's everybody's favorite. I hope so, because we do them a lot. You say that a lot, though. You say one job is everybody's favorite, top ten is everybody's favorite. Yeah, everybody likes everything we do. <laughs> Except except the one time we had Justin on, so we're testing it. So we're testing it out and seeing if we can change change the tide. <laughs> um, tell them what we're doing, Jordan. We're doing top ten animated movies of all time. That's yes. I thought for sure when I came up with that, I thought the old oh man. We're gonna. I'm not even gonna have time to watch anything. These guys are gonna do it immediately. Six months later, here we are. I'm still protesting it. Yeah. Cliff found out he doesn't actually like animated movies. No, I found out that I cannot pick any animated yeah, too movies. Many. I like them all. Too many. Well, prepare for a battle of two Disney titans tonight. <laughs> yeah. Because both Cliff and head. Justin are Disney files, so expect their list to skew that way. Particularly. A lot of Disney movies. Yeah. Yeah, although I did make the promise that I would have at least a couple of non-Disney entries on my list, and I made good on that. So, Although, probably by the time the podcast is over, Disney will have bought all of these things, so it's a moot point anyway. <laughs> right. Right. Um, all right, so here's how it's going to work. We all have our own separate top tens. If you've never listened to any of our top tens before, that's how work will go around. And we're going to have – I started last time. And this time Jordan's going to start. Ooh. And 
if you get if you start, that means you get to finish. At the end, he will get to deliver his number one as the final pick, and really, so it better be good. Oh, no pressure. Probably not. <laughs> Great, and we if if we have some crossover, which we do have some crossover, as you might guess. Um, I will let you know, and you don't, you can't, you may not be able to say your pick until we get to whoever has that pick at the highest number. Like if it's uh, if it's your ten and it's somebody else's number three, we're going to talk about it when we get to number three. Right, everybody together. Um, so is everyone everyone's excited about this? You guys are animation fans. Uh, go ahead, Justin. You're shaking. Yeah, your head. this. This this was a really difficult thing for me to do because there's there's so many you know Disney things that I love, but the question is, do I love the movie because of the movie? Do I love the movie because of the ride at Disney World? Do I love it because of some song that I've seen or some Broadway thing that I've seen? So I really had to try to focus on just the movie itself, and that that kind of got difficult for somebody who's got so much Disney nonsense running around in their brain like I do. And Cliff, I'm sure it was the same way for you. <laughs> that is exactly we're, the experience I've Luckily, had. we don't all have the same criteria because yeah. uh, if I had to be that strict, the reason I liked it was strictly because of the quality, how good it was as a movie. No, I have to bra- drag all the nostalgia into it and you know every other form of this Thing, so. Yeah, because a great movie I watch now still can't compare to a so-so movie I loved as a 10-year-old. Right, so right. it's hard to separate what was real quality yeah. that I grew up on and what's what's actual. Right, I'm going to have some crap. <laughs> <laughs> so be ready. Yeah, oh. the, the bottom of my list was definitely the hardest part to put together because I had, you know, I, I had like 25 movies that I wanted to put into three little slots. And I just kind of went, well, okay, it is what it is, and we're going to have a big honorable mention. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> he, Justin's waving his papers at, at his notes at us. Um, I, I literally have four pages of notes on yeah, this. So. Yeah, we, we will have a very. Don't worry, people. If it's <laughs> if we do not list your movie in the top our top tens, it'll get mentioned yep. in the honorable mention. I'm sure we're going to lay it all out here. We're going to be here. Uh, I, I had a bit of the opposite problem where I had about five I knew for sure were on the list. And then it was well. I guess I like this one well enough. I, I, I had a hard time. I, oh, I out. found I had an awakening. I don't like animated movies. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, I, I mentioned. I said this is six months ago. I came up with this. I was like, well, I the way I am, I immediately decided I have to watch and rewatch everything. And I didn't accomplish it, but I did watch like. 50 animated movies, I'm sure. Why are you the way you are? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But it was like, it was a struggle. There was a lot of garbage out there. And there was, <laughs> there was stuff that I thought I liked that I, that I, I feel like I ruined some things. I was like, man, I really liked that growing up. And now I'm like, it's so, not so good. you went back and watched a bunch of these. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, watched okay. a ton, yeah. ton, ton of stuff. I rewatched one and then I watched a bunch of clips and trailers and just sort of mm-hmm. refresh my oh, memory. That's how the other podcasts do it. We're <laughs> <laughs> just watching clips and trailers. That's what I'm YouTube. So I, I prefer to just half remember my oh, childhood. Okay, good. okay, well, we'll start off your half assery with your number 10. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let's Jordan. do a cool sound effect. Yeah. Let's start with the Go, countdown. Yeah. 
He's got one ready. Right here it is, folks. Counting fun for me and you. Let's begin with one and two. Then to three and on to four. And then we'll count some more. Five and six, we're on our way. Seven and eight are fun to say. After eight comes nine and ten. And then we'll sing again. That was great. You too. That was so I good. Swear. Okay. I can't believe you added all the music and the flourishes. Yeah. yeah, with this professional like studio equipment that we have, it's no problem. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, too bad Big Daddy can't hear any of it. Over here, so. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, but you can't tell us your number ten, Jordan. Really? There's a problem because it shows up. That is amazing. On, on not one but two other people's lists. Boom. I thought for sure no one cared about that movie. Yeah. Unless okay, you're then. talking about something else. Yes. <laughs> okay. I thought I was picking like the stepchild. Oh, no, no. All right. All right. That takes us to Justin. You may not know where you're seated. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But you are after Jordan, and right. I hate to break it to you, but your number 10 is also on oh a couple other lists. I wow. figured it would be. That's all right. We're going to have some crossover here. That's all right. That just That just means... We like these movies, so we're going to get to talk about them. Um, so that means Cliff gets to start us off, really. His number 10 isn't on anyone else's list. Uh, well, you guys are missing out. Well, we saw it. <laughs> <laughs> so my number 10, starting it out, uh, 1967 Disney classic, The Jungle Book. Now on video cassette, one of Disney's all-time animated favorites, The Jungle Book. It's the unforgettable story of the boy who was raised by wolves, befriended by a bear, only to end up in the wildest adventure of all. It's a tale filled with excitement, surprises, danger, and fun. Walt Disney's classic, The Jungle Book. No reaction. Okay. Well, we were waiting on a drop. Oh, okay. uh, we'll get those later. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this was, you know, Kipling's off of, based off of Kipling's book, Mowgli, not Meowgli, Mowgli, <laughs> Seth. Meowgli. Um, he's a, you know, abandoned child uh, raised by a wolf pack. That's the beginning of the movie. And um, everything is good. He's just the jungle boy I with the wolves. That. They're like everything is good. There's Everything's song. good. I mean, everything. Yeah, and then uh, of course the man-eating tiger Shere Khan, um, it uh, takes a dislike to his existence. Basically, um, facing certain death, Mowgli must overcome his reluctance to leave his wolf family and return to the man village. That because every all the jungle creatures have decided he needs to go back to the man village from whence he came. Um, but he's not alone on his quest. I'm so going to tell it somebody. Go back to the man village from which you came. Uh, aided by the panther Bagheera. And, no, uh, wait. I think you that Bagheera. Bagheera. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and Don't it, question him on the <laughs> Disney Vinicius. And then yeah, they run right. into uh, Blue, which, of course, um, yeah. everybody knows. The is, famous song. Everybody knows is voiced by Phil Harris. Oh. Yeah, the Bear Necessities is played and sang and uh, in a jungle romp, and they run into King Louie and the, and the monkeys, and, uh, yeah, we got to get this kid back to the, back to the man village. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and not get eaten by can a tiger you, while we do it. Can you do all my descriptions too? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, one in line is going to be a jungle romp. I got news for you. Yeah, a big a big reason I chose this movie is is the music. Of course, the Sherman Brothers wrote. Um, the music for it it's something that walt did have a hand in the production of this movie himself it's just a classic disney movie it was a big huge hit they used to throw out you know back into theater every seven years or so out of the vault and um yeah it's just great music wonderful voice talent always loved it um had a hard time choosing between it and a couple other movies from that era but yeah the jungle book me ugly. And what was your opinion of the live action remake? Um, oh, from uh, the recent live action, it, it's fine. Um, there's nothing. It's pretty faithful, other than the Christopher Walken giant ape King Louis that you know kind of jumps out at you. But other than that, you know, Bill Murray is uh, a pretty good blue. <laughs> pretty. <laughs> um, all right, that's Cliff's number ten. Great pick classic we all remember moving on to my number 10 got a movie from a couple years ago i'm actually not sure not not too many years ago but it's the lego movie it's everyone yeah remember that everybody yeah. saw it liked yep. it yep um actually watched half of it this afternoon i bet you did i just <laughs> i watched it like two days ago i was like i gotta see where this is on my list if it's still in there you know and i I thought it was it's 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 solid. I don't know that it would be on there if it wasn't for that great ending. You know, realizing yeah. the whole meaning of it, what the craggle is, and all the you know the piece of resistance. Uh, I, I love Chris. Chris Pratt is great in it. Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Uh, I love Legos. You know, it was finally to have a Lego movie. I grew up. That's was one of my favorite toys when I was a kid was Legos. So to see the way they did that and all the. But they've made a lot of movies like you know Battleship the movie and things that you just roll right. your eyes at. Yeah. But for some reason, this one this one worked. Yeah, it was it was just very well done. The whole theme of it. And... No, it, it was it was a neat idea. The plot of you know with the master builders and how they can you know take apart things and put them back together into new things and yeah, it was it, yeah. Was, it was cute. Yep, spawned like a sequel, Batman the Lego Movie. Yeah, it was fine. That was a fine movie. <laughs> and again, I, I think yeah. I think one of the cool parts about the Lego Movie is they really hit on why Legos were such a fun toy because you had the option building the thing that you had the instructions for or just building whatever you wanted out of, you know, a pirate set and a, and a knight set and a bunch of Duplo stuff that you stole from your brother and, and just all of this random stuff. You could make anything you wanted or you, you could follow the directions and build you. the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, Justin got the Lego and I got stuck with the Duplo. <laughs> <laughs> the go-bots of building blocks. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. That, that's They just really chose the right way to tell that story and everybody could connect with the thought the people that did strictly make the model like my my son ha, ha, still has Star Wars um, ships he's made out of Legos just sitting on a shelf in there never took them back apart and and me I just had boxes and boxes of loose Legos so. yeah I remember from you know we're older I remember just having Legos just a, I didn't have a lot of Legos but they were just Legos you just made whatever you wanted out of it kids today now um, my kids weren't big Lego kids but now they have the kits you know, and it's all about building whatever is on the box. 
It's a different mm. experience. All right. So we just buzzed through number 10. Yep. So number nine. Nine. Is just, yeah, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, number nine, Justin, I hate to break it to you. It's on somebody else's list. <laughs> Man, I'm glad I showed up for this one. <laughs> yeah, so uh, hang tight. You're going to get Yeah, I'm here. Um, now, Cliff. Yes. Your number nine is not on anyone else's list again. What? You Surprise? Have such, such a crazy taste. Go on. Tell us all about Okay. So number nine, I have... Um, again, it could have been a lot of different movies the last few on my list, but uh, I went for The Princess and the Frog, the last hand-drawn Walt Disney full-length feature movie from 2009. I suppose you want a kiss. Kissing would be nice, yes? <laughs> I am Prince Nevin. I'm Maldonia. Prince? Cursed by a dastardly witch doctor. One minute I am a prince, charming and handsome, cutting a rug, and then the next thing I know, I'm tripping over these. Everyone thinks they know the story of the princess and the frog. You must kiss me. Excuse me? Please, princess, it will make me human again. Just one kiss. Unless you beg for more. But no one knows what happened after the kiss. Until now. How did you get way up there? And how did I get way down here and all this... <gasps> this holiday season. Um, pretty, again, classic story. Everybody, you know, is, is pretty familiar with. Um, Disney d- did a little different thing, even though it was, you know, they were... <sighs> had pretty much fully embraced the computer animation at the time. And we knew that that's, that was the future and that's where animation was going. Um, they made this last hand-drawn animation, but they chose to do it um, kind of progressively. You know, Tiana is an African-American uh, character in New Orleans, 1920s, um, which, you know, Disney hadn't done before. You know, we didn't have an African-American uh, central character in a, in a Disney movie. So, but the story itself... Um, anyone that we still talk about. Right, right. Yeah, we don't... There's there's a movie we don't talk about. <laughs> it never happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. <laughs> so, um, and this... Uh, this is my number one. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the hardworking, ambitious... Tiana dreams for one day opening her own restaurant. That's her big dream down in New Orleans. Um, she takes a detour when she meets Prince Naveen, who is uh, fresh off the boat. Prince, who is broke, but he uh, tries to make a, a, a deal with a voodoo man, um, Dr. Facilier, uh, then, uh, who turns him into a frog. And then he ends up, encounters Tiana and turns her, uh, she, he gets her to kiss him to turn him back into a prince, which ends up backfiring and turning her into a frog. What the hell is this movie? <laughs> the Princess and the Frog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but the music itself, wonderful jazz music. Um, it's got John Goodman in it. He plays the uh, he plays Big Daddy and uh, some other stars that uh, um, Prince Naveen is Bruno Campos. And, um, it's just for 
I, I always liked it for a last hurrah of the hand-drawn traditional Disney look movie. I thought, man, this is, it, it's just a great movie itself. But what a way to go out because what year the Disney it was 2009 um, came out. In, I think I think Thanksgiving 2009. It was like a November movie, so the at the end of the year. But um, you know, to come back to the princess stuff, but kind of turn it on its head. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's not a princess in the movie, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, she has to. She does have to marry the prince at the end. Spoilers to uh, become the Disney princess, but but it's got a great uh, a great character in the um, the Firefly, and he's you know Cajun Firefly um, that uh, of course Jim Cummings does the voice of, um, and it's, it's it's a touching story where how you know the spoiled little prince rich boy who has everything taken from him, learns from her and uh, about hard work and, and, and you know, finding love. And, and there's uh, this, poor, well, awesome villain, um, one of the classic villains, really, who really become, you know, maybe the more popular of the characters out of, out of all this movie, so, in uh, Dr. Facilier, so. Cool. I have never seen that one. I've heard of it. All right, moving on, my number nine was Jordan's number 10. Uh-oh. And it is on someone else's list higher, so... We gotta skip it. We gotta skip it. So, we're going to Jordan's number 9. My number 9. I didn't want to start off with this one, but... I never even heard of this one. I'm excited. <clears throat> Did anyone else have a, an anime phase they went through? Nope. No? Nope. No. Not, no phase, no. No phase. <laughs> um, yeah, I did. I had an anime phase. So, you know, when, you know, Cartoon Network, you know, they had the Toonami block and they mm-hmm. were playing, you know, Dragon Ball and, and uh, Speed Racer and uh, right. well, Sailor I, you know, Moon. I mean, there was things I like. Like, I like Speed Racer and all that stuff. But uh, So that kind of got me into watching anime every day and then wanted to expand and look further into things. And I happened to see pretty early on the 1997 movie Perfect Blue. This is Satoshi Kon, who he passed away in 2010. As a pretty young guy, he had cancer, and so he only made a handful of movies, and they're all really excellent. Um, this was his first movie. Uh, he had better known ones: uh, Millennium Actress, Tokyo Godfathers. If you've only heard one, that's probably the one about the three homeless guys who find a baby, and they have to find its home. I think it's on like Christmas Eve or something. So. Uh, I've seen that. Three homeless men and a baby. Yes. <laughs> I think one of them's Gutenberg. I <laughs> uh, did the movie Paprika and the TV series Paranoia Agent. So all his movies really deal with uh, psychological issues and and perception and identity, and they all they're all kind of yeah they're set in the real world and the modern era, but they're they're all kind of dreamlike and they they blur the line between fantasy and reality. Uh, but this one, uh, it's about a, a young pop star, a pop idol named Mima, who she quits her band to become an actress. And this is in the late 90s, so it's right at the early internet culture when that's blowing up. And it deals, there's a guy stalking her, and there's a website up that's supposedly from her point of view. Like, oh, I went to the grocery store today and I did this, but it's not her writing it. So she's like, how do they know what I did all day? So it becomes a very Hitchcockian sort of thing. It's a psychological thriller and a horror movie, and she's starting to lose touch with her own identity and reality. But I said it deals with all these things we're still dealing with today about celebrity, about 
harassment and fans turning on you, you know, the cost of fame. Don't we way, know it? The way <laughs> <laughs> I can't go anywhere without seeing people wearing my merchandise. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, and it's about her. You know, in, in private she's falling apart, but in public she has to be like, "Oh, this is such a wonderful time." She has to keep up fake appearances. So by the end, it's 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 a lot. If, if I had to compare it to anything, it would be Black Swan. Um, I love the that way one. she sort of loses who she is in the process of trying to become something else. So uh, animation lets you do that story, but make it more dreamlike and more expressive and more out there and psychological. But uh, it's, it's I said this, director Satoshi Kon, anything he's done is worth watching. And it's the 20th anniversary this year of this movie, and Fathom Events is bringing it back to theaters in September. So you can actually watch it on the big screen here pretty soon. Oh, that's right up my alley. So 20-plus years ago, they were making a movie that basically talks about stalking people and, and putting their entire lives on Facebook. That's yeah, a little, right that's after, a little scary. Right after um, uh, Al Gore invented the Internet. Exactly. You know, there is a scene where they hook up the Internet in her house. She's like, what's that? Click on the browser. Wow, neat. It's like a whole it's a whole scene of her like learning what the internet is. Oh, Netscape. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we are going on to our number eight. Eight. We're starting with Cliff, but Cliff. What? Your number eight is on someone else's list. Good Even grief. higher. We should coordinate a little better. Yeah. <laughs> no. This is how it's supposed to work. <laughs> Okay, that means we're going. You guys are really going to go off when you get to finally talk about it. Okay, so my number eight is not on anyone else's list. It's from 2007. It was the movie Ratatouille? Oh, okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. <laughs> you say so? Acceptable. <laughs> Night before the dessert course, we present for your pleasure the traditional cheese trolley. To start, we have an excellent clochette, creamy, very nice, very light. Next, a brebis, hearty, with a surprising bite, I think you'll find. And finally, the pièce de résistance, a very special, very well. <laughs> This is me. I think it's apparent that I need to rethink my life a little bit. I can't help myself. I, I like good food, okay? And good food is, is hard for a rat to find. It wouldn't be so hard to find if you weren't so picky. I don't want to eat garbage, Dad. <laughs> what is that? I don't really know. You don't know, and you're eating it. You know, if you can sort of muscle your way past the gag reflex, all kinds of food possibilities open up. This is what I'm talking about. I don't think any of this would have come up, but we happen to live in Paris, France. And it's so easy to find good food in Paris. It's just... dangerous. Gotta rethink your life. He's right, you know. Let it go, Dad! And with that, you know, that's the one. Patton Oswalt, and they, he's a mouse. And Remy. 
Remy, yeah. Tell you tell us about that. <laughs> I'm just I don't want to get corrected to, on this. So tell us about. No, this is a this is a movie. Uh, Remy is a mouse, and this is set in a restaurant about um, the son of the great chef. Oh, what's his name? It starts with the G. Yeah, Gusto. Uh, 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 Gusto. Yes. Yes. Why are we even here, Seth? <laughs> I know. Well, I just well, you guys wanted to do well, this. <laughs> yeah, and um, he's a busboy. And um, and a bad one. And a bad one. <laughs> yeah, he's he rides around on his roller skates and he discovers um, this rat. And this rat has basically like perfect taste. And he he just naturally knows how to, what foods go together and how to cook. And... Um, so he hides in, I can't think of the redheaded kid's name. Linguini. Linguini. That's it. He hides in the chef's hat. It's taking me back, guys. Yes. And uh, <laughs> you've seen this one, right, Zach? <laughs> <laughs> I really do like it. Yeah, and Remy, uh, Remy hides in in his in, hat. Yeah, I remember you complaining about this. I think you didn't like the the whole the, pulling the hair. Yeah, the pulling control. the hair. I then I watched it because you had complained about. It. I was like, okay. well, I remember liking that, so I, I watched it and I was like, I don't remember complaining. About yeah, you did. You didn't like the hair controlling or whatever. The rat in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, it works for me. I like the movie. It's it's good. What what I really like is the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the I mean, how many times have you seen Anton Ego used to disparage critics in general? But I, that scene where at the end he fi- he tastes the ratatouille. The food critic comes in. Yeah, that's he's yeah. the food critic, and he and he tastes the ratatouille, and it immediately takes him back to his childhood when his mother made that for him ratatouille. And and that's what this movie does for me. Like I remember everything about going to see this movie. It was the summer two thousand seven. I took I was at Myrtle Beach. Colonial Mall, you know, I took just took my son and my niece. He was like eight, she's six. We went in. We went. It was the first time we ever sat stadium seating mm-hmm. and watched Ratatouille. We just had a ball, just the three of us. And then when we, we left, went in the bookstore there. I bought them each a book. I bought this book right here for myself, Manhunt. <laughs> Still have one of my favorite books about Lincoln. And I just, it was just one of, just one of the greatest days. And I, I, I think that's, just the same. I, the, watching that movie took me back right there, uh, and I was like, "That's the feeling." I like to get those nostalgic feelings from movies, and I, I just, I, I really enjoy that. It's not the greatest, you know, anime movie ever, but it, it's a, it's a classic for me. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with this movie at all, and a lo- I know a lot of people that really do like that movie. It is, it probably would be on their list. Um, it's just, you know, it's. There, there have been so many animated movies here in the last really fifteen years. Um, well, I, I don't know fifteen, maybe, maybe ten, and uh, they, I think they all get kind of jumbled up together a little bit because, you know, we're just we're it's almost like a second Disney Renaissance we're in right now, and uh, especially with the Pixar movies. You know, Pixar movies come out and it's just you know you love them all. So who made that? Who made Ratatouille? Ratatouille. That's a Pixar movie, I do believe. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, moving on. Jordan, your number eight. Uh, my number eight 
this one came on and off my list, um, but I, I just had to I had to add it. Wallace and Gromit: The Curse of the Were Rabbit. Well, that's not the title. Colon. <laughs> colon. Wallace and Gromit: Colon. The Curse of the Were Rabbit. In 2000, they answered the question: What do chickens do when no one is watching? Now, the creators of Chicken Run are back with the pair that started it all, Wallace and Gromit. Gromit, old pal, I'll need assistance. Ow! One's an inventor. Just a bit of harmless brain alteration, that's all. Who never says die. Full suction. The other is his dog, who never says anything. 2005, um, this is the, the British uh, claymation, mm-hmm. stop-motion animation uh, from Ardman Entertainment and director Nick Park. Uh, they started in 1989 with the short A Grand Day Out and made the wrong trousers, a close shave, and a matter of loaf and death. So this is the inventor... Wallace, who creates these whimsical ideas and you know very Rube Goldberg type devices, and his long-suffering dog Gromit, who just has to put up with his nonsense and basically saves the day while you know Wallace wanders around almost killing himself. <laughs> um, so in 2000, this team put out Chicken Run, yep. and that one was really acclaimed and, mm-hmm. and made a lot of money. And these are the top two highest-grossing stop-motion films in history, both from the same company, Stop Motion. Uh, and uh, Wallace and Gromit, they won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature the year that came out. So it's about... I, I like the shorts. I love the shorts. I adore the shorts. Um, so I wondered if stretching it out into you know an hour and a half would take something away, but it, it had the same charm, the same, you know, the same humor. It's about... Uh, there's a small town that holds their annual giant vegetable competition and uh, rabbits are going to invade and Wallace and Gromit run a pest control business that they named Anti-Pesto, which is the clever <laughs> wordplay you get with Wallace and Gromit. Um, and it has uh, Ray Fiennes and Helena Bonham Carter do voices, but it's not distracting or anything. But I just... I, I, I adore these characters. I the, It has just... For... I'm sure as arduous as it is to do stop motion, they have just genius comedic timing and the way, you know, Gromit will just shoot a look at the camera and it's just, it's, it's the, it's the comedic timing of, of a wonderful physical comedian, but done as, you know, in clay. And it's amazing the way they do the facial expressions and the physical gags. And like I said, all the crazy inventions and set pieces and action. And it's just, I, 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 I watched like the trailer, and within ten seconds, I was laughing at some gag that I'd already seen before. So, I don't know. I just I adore those movies. I haven't seen it, but I've seen some of the shorts. Good stuff. Anybody else have any thoughts on that? Yes. Yeah, nope. it was really hard for me not to have any Ardman Studio stuff on my list. They're, they they really they they have found. Are you a contracted thing that works for with them? Disney? Do you have to? <laughs> I don't, but that's where most of my money goes. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, most of my wife's money. Um, but you know the, that that Ardman Studios humor is so precise. It's just very, very British, and 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 it just if that is your cup of tea, it it absolutely works. So that's, I, the, that's the correct British. metaphor, or whatever to use. Um, all right, 
Justin, you're not going to believe this. Uh, I don't get to talk, do I? No, you do get to talk. <laughs> Yahoo! I have value. No- let's hear your number eight. Okay. Um, I, you know, I, we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation without Snow White. Snow White is my don't number eight. Us. It is the <laughs> it is the granddaddy of all animated movies. Before this came out in 1937, nobody really knew if an animated feature-length thing would work. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is more than a great picture. It's a thrilling experience in happiness. It's color, music, laughter, and romance all wrapped up in sunshine to make your heart sing. Adorable Snow White, warm, human, waiting for her Prince Charming. The Seven Dwarfs, pompous Doc, the self-appointed leader. Bashful, who is afraid of the girls. Here is Sneezy. This is old, droopy-eyed Sleepy. And Grumpy, who thinks he's a confirmed woman-hater. And there is Happy, with his beaming smile. And last but not least, wonderful, silly Dopey. You'll never forget them or stop loving. There had been animated stuff that that ran with other movies. You know, you get your cartoon, you get your newsreel, you get your feature. And Walt Disney said, you know, I want to make an animated feature. And Hollywood didn't think it was going to work. They actually referred to it as Disney's Folly. And they were convinced that it was going to sink the studio and that Walt was... You know, he was going to be gone, that, that we weren't going to hear anything more from the Disney Studios after this thing. But it worked. Uh, but the story, the animation, it just worked. And it made so much money that Disney was able to build the Disney Studios and start producing the films that led to the entire canon of animated features. Um you know, it's 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 80 years old. It's not a perfect movie. Uh, there are some sections that that can drag a little bit. And as much as I love the dwarfs for all of their fame, they don't really develop the dwarfs much as characters. They give them the names, yeah. And then you just are sort of you know he's sneezy and he's going to sneeze a bunch of times. We we don't know. Does he have allergies? Is there some medical thing? We're not, we, nobody tells us. He's just sneezy. Um, <laughs> You know, sleepy, that could be a serious medical problem with narcolepsy or something like that. And he's, no, he's just sleepy. So we don't develop those much. And but the music. Dopey. I mean, yeah. <laughs> undiagnosed, yeah. who knows? <laughs> things you can't do it in today's age. Yeah. Um, things like Whistle While You Work, Hi Ho, Someday My Prince Will Come, they're not just good songs, those have become cultural touchstones that have worked their way into the lexicon of our language um if when somebody starts having a bad day at work if somebody says hi ho they're going to start singing that song because they know where that song goes and 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 what that song means um i like to think that if it wasn't for snow white yeah cooper and carly might not have been conceived (laughs) what Uh, they never would have made any more feature films. And uh, I assume that's what that's porn to you guys over oh, there. <laughs> wow. Um, no, I was I was just gonna say I dare anybody to ride Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, and when when you get into the mine, man, it, 
and you hear that hi-ho, there's nobody on that ride that doesn't sing it right back to Adam. Oh, and well, singing it and loud. In stark is contrast wonderful. to Small World, which is a nightmare. I lo- <laughs> <laughs> That's a great ride. <laughs> I would watch the Small World movie. <laughs> We're going to have to have a Small World conversation with you one of these days. <laughs> well, I watched Snow White this year, and you can yeah. read all about it at blowwords.wordpress.com. Blowwords. That's blowwords. Speaking of segues. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you did watch that recently. You... I still say the opening shot of that movie is one of the greatest moments in in, in cinema, probably, with the... With the um, the special camera that was in, invented for that, you know, for that shot right there. It's just beautiful that the millions of drawings that went into that production of that film because it was in production for like five years. I mean, it's amazing the work that they did in that theater or into that film. The only thing, the only problem I really have with that movie is Snow White's voice is just horrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. speaking super, and singing. Yes, yes. Other than that, it's, <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, like Cliff said, that multiplane camera that Disney basically invented for this movie, you know, up until this time, animation was, was flat. Whatever was happening at the front of the screen was also what was happening in the background. You didn't have that depth. And this multiplane camera, it sounds pretty simple. We're going to shoot close-up stuff, we're going to shoot middle stuff, and we're going to shoot far-away stuff kind of all at the same time. I've seen the original multiplane camera. It's in the Disney Family Museum in the Presidio out Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. It's the size of an elevator car. Yeah, it's it is huge, huge. And, and you wouldn't think that somebody making a, a cute little kids animated movie, you know, we're so used to now everything's digital and it's everything's kind of small and compact. Again, you know, this thing is the size of an elevator car. It's it's, it's absolutely huge. So and it was brand new. They they completely invented it just for the shots in this movie. Yep. So, well, I've always said, you know, Walt Disney was the James Cameron of his time. <laughs> Them's fighting words. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh! Let that one lay. Jordan, it's a good thing you're across the table and 120 miles away. <laughs> All right. So we're on to our number seven. 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 And I'm I'm starting this off, but I can't talk about mine. You know the you know the deal. Okay. So, Jordan, I asked Cliff, lay it on us. I asked Cliff for one piece of music oh. to accompany my list, and if he would be so kind as to indulge me. Earthlings, we have now taken over your radio. <laughs> if only you guys could, could see Jordan dancing right now. I maintain this is one of the best hip-hop songs of the decade. Space Jam from 1996. When an evil alien theme park owner named Swackhammer needs a new attraction, he sends a team of aliens to Earth to kidnap and enslave Bugs Bunny and the Looney Tune gang. Bugs challenges him to a basketball game and enlists Michael Jordan as the ringer. So this fills in that gap. Everyone wanted to know what happened between Michael Jordan's initial retirement from basketball in 1993 and when he came back in 1995. This is the untold story of what happened to Michael Jordan. I thought he was playing baseball. This is the untold no, no, no. story. <laughs> this is the untold story. Oh. Didn't have anything to do with gambling. It was, no, it was this sh- movie. It was fighting <laughs> aliens from space. This movie has a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. There we go. Wow. Chuck Jones, the veteran uh, animator and director, hated this movie. 
<laughs> he said Bugs would have defeated the Monstars in seven minutes. You know, if he was directing this, it would have just been bam, bam, bam. And apparently, uh, after it was completed, uh, Warner Brothers executives invited Chuck Jones to a dinner, and he wanted his honest opinion about it. And he got up in front of it. He said it was a polite and respectful manner. But by the end of him talking, security escorted him <laughs> out of the room. Wow. <laughs> But there's a generation who grew up with this movie and just loves it. You see references to it all the time. Uh, like people will do, you know, the box scores. They'll figure out, you know, how many assists Michael Jordan had and you know how many rebounds Porky Pig had. You know, they, they you know, will just pick this movie apart. Uh, co-stars Bill Murray as himself and just having a, having fun. Hey, perhaps I could be of some assistance. That's our fifth guy. Now you get to live up your dream. Let's go. All right. All right. You need to score two Here's points. Here's how I see it. Duck. Yes. You kick it into the girl bunny. Yeah. Down in the post. You dish it back out to the guy bunny. Got you it. swing it around the mic over here. You go to the hole and dominate. We own defense. Oh, yeah. Whoa. I don't play defense. Typical. All right. You're going to have to listen to Mike on this, guys. Okay. Listen up. Pro basketball players Larry Bird, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, Sean Bradley, Larry Johnson, and Muggsy Bogues. Hmm. I don't know. I just saw this movie. It was right at the right time for me. I was probably a little bit older than the target audience. I was... That's like our mantra. <laughs> <laughs> We're just a little bit older than the target audience. But I was still there. This was, for the brief time in my life where I actually paid attention to basketball, this was right in the sweet spot. Um, the 90s, I said with Michael Jordan and the, the, the way the NBA merchandised itself to kids in the 90s, it was just all over the place. And I, you know, I was really into basketball at this point in my life. So I don't know. I've seen, I've seen this movie probably more times than anything else on my list. But yeah, that soundtrack is amazing. It went six times platinum. The title song was by the Quad City DJs, if you remember that. Good to know. Uh, <laughs> R. Kelly won two Grammys with I Believe I Can Fly, Sealed and Fly Like an Eagle, (laughs) and then Hit Him High by Be Real, Coolio, Method Man, LL Cool J, and Busta Rhymes. I'm starting to feel like we should be embarrassed that we don't all have this on our list. I saw this one time then. I I was just going to ask you. Were you a little bit beyond the target audience? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So far that I just couldn't get into it. But I have that song, that, that Hit Him High song, on some mix, you know, some somewhere in my hip-hop library, along with all the great <laughs> hip-hops, and when it comes on, I turn it up, because this song fits yeah. in with any of them. I've never been to your house, but what? how far, how deep do you go before you hit the hip-hop library? <laughs> it's right off the main foyer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, our, our listeners can't see this, but we can see Justin right now. And he, yeah. We see all these books, his whole yeah. library behind him. And I just pictured Jordan it's with some cardboard all, boxes all, with cassette, all, handwritten yeah. cassette tapes he's taped off the radio, yeah. just lined <laughs> to the cardboard ceiling. Cardboard boxes he pulls down to do yeah. some break dances. Half of them labeled Wayne Slow Knight Jam. Space Jam. <laughs> slow Jams. <laughs> I, I have never seen this movie. Wow. Wow. Um, oh, I, it's the I, Warner I Brothers. It's, it's yeah. Just, yeah. I wasn't a big. I was. I was the opposite. I. I really liked basketball in the eighties. I was a. I was big into Magic Johnson. I still claim Magic Johnson's probably the best player I've ever seen. Mm, you know. You've ever seen. I get it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I wasn't into Michael Jordan, and I just I missed this somehow. 
I'm gonna have to go back and well, check it, it out. Just a little behind the scenes. It's it's because it's not Disney. Cliff's list is literally separated into all these movies, and it says not Disney movies. <laughs> Don't ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a few names under there too. Believe it or not, they have. That's another category. They they have their own place. It's <laughs> yeah. just not on my right. list. Not in fave. <laughs> yeah, I get it. But there has been a long-standing rumor that they're going to do a sequel starring LeBron James. So maybe a whole new generation will yeah. learn the joy Dream of Space on, Jam. I don't see that. Um, Justin, you get to do it again. Up to number seven now? That's right. Um, okay, this one is a little personal for me. This was um, my 12, my number 12. Okay. Um, one of the guys I lived with in undergrad uh, and was in my wedding has a, a daughter who is on the autism spectrum. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've gotten to know her a little bit, and she's just she's going to probably struggle most of her life to try to live independently and, and have what we would call a, a normal life, uh, you know, as, as we know it. Um, and one of the most difficult things that, that she was facing when she was much younger was the ability to describe and to understand the emotions that she was feeling at any one time. And she just couldn't, she, she had a hard time vocalizing the way she felt. And then in 2015, uh, she and her sister saw a movie called Inside Out. Mm. And to hear her mom and dad tell the story, she saw that little girl with all of those sort of clearly defined emotions living inside of her, all at the same time, all competing for dominance, all arguing back and forth all the time, and apparently something just clicked. And to this day, she still loves that movie. She loves those characters, um, and it has really helped her open up to be more vocal, to sort of better understand and communicate the things that she's feeling. And for me, that's enough to get this into my top ten. Add in the fact that it's a gorgeous movie. There are some fantastic characters, fantastic voices. Amy Poehler is one of the funniest women <laughs> ever to the planet. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's a fun movie that's that sort of looks look animated movie and I just I really like it so Inside Out 2015 from Disney. Joy this is sadness that's anger what? this is disgust uh, and that's fear <laughs> we're Riley's emotions <laughs> these are Riley's memories they're mostly happy you'll notice I wanted to maybe hold one what happened sadness she did something to the memory is everything okay I guess send it back Joy no the core memories <laughs> no 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 can I say that curse word now? What do we do now? Oh, I wish Joy was here. We can fix this. We just have to get back to headquarters. That's long-term memory. You could get lost in there. Think positive. Okay. I'm positive you will get lost in there. Yeah, I that uh, when a couple moments I remember watch because I rewatched it recently because of this and when you know. Spoilers for all these movies you should have seen already. But when Bing Bong dies, you know when he, yeah, mm-hmm. and he's standing there, that that's that's just kills me. And when sadness and joy make a new mixed core memory, I, I mean, I I put in my notes chills. Like I was sitting there just with chills at that moment. I just I I really was surprised how much. I mean, I remembered liking the movie. When oh it came yeah, out, yeah, but. 
But yeah. when I rewatched it, I was like, I, I really love this movie. It's yeah, it, it's a wonderful story that I've I've heard similar stories from from some other folks. I know my experience when I took my family to go see it. Um, my sister in law went, and she is not one to ever go to a movie. And she went. She cried. My wife cried. My daughter cried. Um, in multiple parts throughout that movie, you know, the Bing Bong thing hit a lot of people pretty hard. But Richard Kind did that voice. Out, yeah, and it was yeah. perfect. Yeah, we're t- yeah. Amy Poehler, um, Lewis Black, Mindy Kaling, Phyllis Smith, also from The Office, does uh, Sadness. Yeah, Bill Hader. A, a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, movie that you know. I have to admit, it's that's pretty high up there. Yeah, love it. Okay, Cliff, you're number seven. Have you ever been to Bahia, my friends? Oh, forgive me, but have you been to Bahia, Donald? No. No. Well, let's go. If you go to Bahia, my friend, you'll never return. Uh, from <laughs> they have no idea what I'm talking yeah, well, about. Well, I, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, not from that quote because I have the list in front of me. Yeah, so from 1944, the Three Caballeros, um, <laughs> and it gets a sigh. Yeah, this is just one of those movies. Um, very early Disney. You know, this was the War Years when, when Disney uh, the studio had been built, but the U.S. Army had come along and taken over the base. Disney was staying in business by doing package films and um, by doing propaganda films for for the U.S. Um, for our government. And uh, Walt had actually in a in a team of artists. Had, from the studio had went on this um, goodwill mission to South America in order to uh, we were afraid countries in South America were possibly going to join the war on the opposite side with the Axis powers so we sent you know our one of our biggest stars Walt Disney to South America on oh, this you're gonna say Donald Duck <laughs> on this tour you know with with just wonderful people like you know Mary Blair and they did this. They went country to country, um, just observing. And there's a wonderful documentary out there. If I recommend to anybody called he, and Justin's showing it. He's got it right here. Walt and El Grupo. It's wonderful. <laughs> he's got it right there on the screen. Yeah, he's got the D, uh, new on DVD. It says. Um, but I love this. I love this movie, The Three Cap. I, I'm a big Donald fan. Donald. Anytime Donald loses his his crap. On on and, and goes berserk. Yeah, I, it, it cracks me up. I love that type of humor. Um, is one of my favorite characters. And this, for the most part, it's the sequel to Saludos Amigos, which introduced uh, Jose Carioca, who is still to this day a giant cartoon star in Brazil. If you, you hold up a sombrero, I'm leaving. <laughs> but um, in this it's basically they tie it together it's Donald's birthday They're, he's getting birthday gifts okay so, his birthday suit he might as well that's right so he's it's four short stories as he travels throughout South America um, en route Donald meets a flying donkey and Pablo the penguin who hates the cold um, this was really the first Disney this was the first live action and animation mix on a feature film um, that Disney did. 
Um, but yeah, he he encounters um, Ponchito Pistoles, like who <laughs> he's a chicken. I swear to God, you're making all no, of these names. No, he, he's the nope. chicken. I admire it. <laughs> Did he meet Pepitas? <laughs> 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 and and Ponchito is basically he represents uh, Mexico. He's this crazy chicken. He's got the uh, pistols on. I'm on sure the it's side. just how they would like to be represented. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well, it's 1944, guys. Come on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but the amazing thing about this movie, it was, it was always a favorite of mine that I never got. To, it, you could never find it. it wasn't on very often. And um, a couple a couple years ago, I happened to I grabbed it on DVR. Um, it, it was it was on something and recorded it. And uh, my daughter, who was like at the time like eight, and she didn't she knew the three caballeros from Walt Disney World from the Mexican Pavilion. Um, and character meet and greets, but she didn't really know other than Donald who they were, what they represented, the story. And we sat down and we watched Three Caballeros, and she loved this movie. It just it's beautiful. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say my um, the folks that live across the street from us uh, when they used to come over for like you know dinner parties or New Year's Eve or whatever, and we needed something to do with the daughter, um, knowing that she had the basically the entire Disney collection to choose from yeah she would pick three caballeros four or five six times in a row I, there was awesome. something about that movie that she just and she was you know six seven years old and she just loved that movie so yeah, yeah. The, the, movie. the animation the the style of the animation is at points it's so fluid i love it it's it's it really stands out from from even from regular disney movies to me all right, we are to our number six. We're going to go through our number sixes, and then we will wrap up this part one six. of the animated list. Oh, I didn't even mention the Araquan bird from Three Caballeros. We got so excited about Pon- Ponchito Pistoles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, a thousand pardons. Senor Donald, I would like to have you meet one of the most eccentric birds you have ever seen. His name is the Araquan. You'll find him most everywhere. Now, he's called the Araquan because of the peculiar song he sings, which sounds something like this. Number six. All right. Um, I had to go. This is a shout out to Jared Lowe. Uh, this would have been maybe higher on his list for sure. Uh, one of the best novels ever written. Coach Mayer, one of his favorite books, Watership Down. All is calm and peaceful in the meadow. Or is it? If you look closely, very closely. <laughs> You'll discover a whole new world with a world of difference, full of exciting adventure and desperate conflict. We've got to go away from the Warren, all of us. Go away? Yes, before it's too late. Is there something wrong? What's he on about? They're coming. A world of ruthless tyranny and brave rebellion. I'll settle with you myself, bigwig. Come on and try, you crack-brained slave driver. Incredible courage and mortal fear. The 
terrible thing is coming. What do you mean? The field. It's covered with blood. A world which bears a very curious resemblance to our own so-called human world in many ways. You're all under arrest. Under arrest? What do you mean? What for? Spreading dissension. Inciting to mutiny. Watership Down. The best-selling novel which has been magically transformed into the most unusual and provocative film you're ever likely to see. What are you doing out there? I've come to let you out. You come with this is the Richard Adams novel in 1978 yes. was turned into a kid's cartoon. Uh, it's pretty faithful to the book. Uh, obviously, it's not as complex. That you know, It's a 400-page novel. They can't put every single scene in there. And it moves a little faster. But it is still very serious in what happens. It's very realistic about animals and what happens when animals fight each other and blood and violence and just dark themes to it. But uh, Britain didn't have a PG rating, whatever the equivalent of that would be. They just had G or something, I don't know, PG-13 or R. So they gave it a basically a G rating, and it has scarred a generation of kids. Any any mention of this online, the comments beneath will be, oh, "I saw that movie when I was a kid, and I, oh, I cried." Or, I wrote oh, that I comment yeah. just a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, I watched that when well, not a couple weeks, but several months ago when I was doing this, I was like, "Oh man, I'm gonna be so ready because when the first one I was gonna watch, I knew this was gonna be on some some lows list," and I was I was like, "I'm." I'm gonna be ready. I've never read the book, so uh, was, you know. He said it wasn't. It, it was less complicated than the book. Oh yeah, the book. It fought, well, the story is it's uh, in the movie. It's John Hurt does the voice of Hazel, who is the leader of this uh, warren of rabbits, and one of them has a premonition that it's going to be destroyed. So they all, the ones who believe it, leave, and the ones who don't stay. And the movie starts out with, the fields are covered in blood. Like, that's how a kid's movie starts about, you know, death is coming from the skies. Trust me, we can escape, believe me. Yes. Take a glimpse into another world, and you'll never look at a meadow again without remembering Watership Down. And uh, so they have to leave, and they, they travel across the countryside run into other groups of rabbits and other enemies and it becomes a metaphor for you know is 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 having our freedom worth the safety it costs us or is it better to be on our own and free or be under the thumb of someone and and you know to, what does it take to rebel from tyranny and that kind of stuff but it's the book is not you know, anthropomorphize any any cartoon is basically yeah. they mm-hmm. add human aspects to these animals. The book is not like that at all. These are rabbits to the core. They don't they don't wear pants and they don't you know let's cook some dinner. You know they eat grass and don't know what things you know a car drives by. They don't know what it is. That it, it's it's from such a point of view that's amazing. And the movie it tries its best, but it it can't capture what the book does. Right. But it gets the. The flavor of it, at least, you get, it is you so get a good dark. Taste. I, I I watched it. Now I was into it for like forty five minutes or so, and then it just was so. There was no hope <laughs> whatsoever. I was I was just so I was I was I just got I could not get into it anymore. It was just like, it felt like it was a lost cause. It was so dark. 
Like, it, and to say that it was like, gee, like kids just yes. watched that thinking they were, I feel sorry for those kids. I remember something about the intro, the intro was like a totally different animation. Yeah, they, they have a, I took a lot of this when I did my book Bluff Creek about Bigfoot. I'm trying to keep it from that perspective, a very natural, and they have their own history and mythology so every book of Bluff Creek tells a story of their mythology. Well, I, t- I stole it directly from Watership Down. Oh, yeah. And it starts with the history of El Herrera, the rabbit prince of their, you know, the trickster prince of their mythology. And, yeah, it does it has kind of a primitive-looking animation. So it gives you, again, a sense of what's in the book and their thought process and belief structure. But, yeah, the movie just kind of... And it adds the, the bird who's kind of silly. There's some There's some comic relief there. But yeah, I, it it ends up with a pretty happy ending. But it it's a slog to get there, and it's uh, there's more blood than you'll you'll yeah. ever see in another oh, cartoon. Man. Um, I'm very excited though. I remember seeing something about uh, a, a modern adaptation of it, and I looked it up, and it's already listed on Netflix for late 2018. They gave it a 20 million pound budget to produce four hours, a four, oh four episode, Talk four about hour cup adaptation. of tea. <laughs> oh, I'm hyped. Super British. Oh, it's all British. James McAvoy is Hazel. We got Ben Kingsley, John Boyega, Gemma Arterton, Daniel Kaluuya, Mackenzie Crook, Olivia Coleman, Taryn Edgerton, and Adewale Agnoye Egbaje. Oh the my gosh, he just she would tell Edgy Ford on us. Um, well, so expect me to talk about that yeah, in future episodes. Of the I'm I'll watch it, but yeah, it was it was a bit much. Um, Justin, I bet you can suspect that you don't get to talk <laughs> yeah. about I, your number this, six. This is low on my list, and I knew it when I put it on there, so I'm okay with that. That's all right. However, Cliff, Jordan's number ten and my number nine are your number six. Excellent. Well, we folks of the animal kingdom have our own version. It's the story of what really happened in Sherwood Forest. I'm genuinely surprised by this. Of all the Disney movies that there are... I've always loved this movie. 1973, Disney's Robin Hood. Well, let's explain to Justin why he's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I want to ask Justin if he remembers... Renting, <laughs> you got to watch movie. it first. <laughs> <laughs> no, our the very first movie we ever rented when we first got a VCR was Robin Hood. Do you, re- you have any memory of that whatsoever? I would have assumed that I got to watch a bunch of movies before we told you which movie you rented first. <laughs> so wait a minute, maybe it was like hooked up is, in your room. I guarantee that is the truth. <laughs> That is the truth. Wait, tell us all the cool stuff you watch before you watch a shitty. Oh, cartoon. I was I watched stuff that hadn't even come out yet. <laughs> now we we got a VCR and we rented two movies. Oh boy! And I, I love when there's home. someone here to contradict him. <laughs> and this is how OCD I am. They're like, well, which one do you want to watch first? And I remember thinking, well, whichever one it is, that'll be the first movie we ever watch at home. Like, I, it was a momentous thing. And I have forgotten what the other movie is, but I know for a fact it was Robin Hood. If you would have chose that, it would have lost to history. But yes, Robin Hood was the first movie we ever watched. Wow. Does anybody else realize that 
the Dukes of Hazard really ripped this movie off. No. <laughs> Roger Miller doing the Roger Miller as the Alan Adele, the Balladeer. Wow. The Duke yeah. boys totally went with Waylon Jennings and tried to do the same thing. They pulled it off. <laughs> well, that sheriff in Nottingham got in a heap of trouble. <laughs> One of one of my favorite things. This <laughs> Keep a show in my wings and not my beak on TV. <laughs> I love the opening of this because I always thought it was it, it's like a play when it comes up and each character comes up and it you know it says Little John, a bear, Robin Hood, a fox, the Sheriff of Nottingham, Nottingham, a wolf. I always thought that was so neat and, and like I love that joke. Right there, um, but again, one of the for myself and you guys can you know, I always love the music of it. The Roger Miller music, um, Whistle Stop, uh, is is a wonderful, wonderful song. But Jordan, we've talked you know about your akin to uh, not Nottingham before. Not in Nottingham, yeah. In uh, your, uh, what's funny you mentioned it sounds like a play because this was our fourth grade play it was Robin Hood. Yeah, and I was sheriff of Nottingham. And this was, it, I, it, it's amazing, it amazes me the level of, like, we practice this every day. I don't know, we didn't do school for, like, three months. The school! <laughs> so, it puts the, his play to shame. But we, we practiced every afternoon for months doing this. We had props, we had all kinds of stuff. It was amazing. And I still, we did Oodalali, the song. Yep. Nodding, nodding. Like, I still remember all the songs from this movie that were adapted into this little, you know, fourth grade play. Just give us a little bit. Oodalali, Oodalali, Oodalali. golly, what a day. Stop. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love it. I, I just, I love the animation mm-hmm. and I love the music. I love. The story. I, I mean, I like Robin Hood. The, yeah. You know, and well, the amazing thing about this about this film is this came after Walt's death, and in a point in the studio where they didn't really know what to do. So, one of the things they did this was this was in the um, the era of the film where they were recycling animation. They were using animation from past Disney movies, um, you know, with Little John and Baloo. Or um, Maid Marian, where she dances around. It's it's like I think it's out of Snow White, and it, yeah, he's shaking his. Or yes, his shaking his I'm a, I guess I'm allowed to talk. So yeah, yes. you're, you can talk all you want. <laughs> um, but but how well it turned out. This is one of my favorite Disney movies, and it's it's a wonderful story. Prince, I love. Pr- oh, we got a pop there. I love Prince John um, as as the villain because most of the time in, in, in Robin Hood stories, the Sheriff of Nottingham is the main villain. Yeah. And and this one they went. Oh, a, I was the main villain. Yeah. <laughs> a wolf. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and you know the interaction with with Sir Hiss, Jim. You know the wonderful. He sounds just like Jim Cummings winning the poo. It's not Jim Cummings, I don't believe. But um, anyways, uh, yeah, there's so many wonderful. You know the the Scottish hen, um, uh, Cluck. What uh, I can't. I think her name was Cluck. Lady Cluck. Lady Cluck. Yes. Yeah. Lady <laughs> Cluck. Who played Lady Cluck? Uh, Carol Shelley. No, I'm asking. I mean, oh. in the play. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, if anybody else has anything they want to throw in a, a, about Robin I, Hood, I, I found it interesting. Um, 
because this is, you said 1973, it was released on VHS in 84, which would have put it mm-hmm. about that time when we got our first ER. Um, this was the <laughs> first installment of the Walt Disney Video Classics label. Oh, it was okay. the first movie they put out like for VHS. And I thought, oh, they held it in that high of esteem. And I said, no, that's, that's not why it was the first. It's because Disney was worried about letting people own these because they thought when they re-release them in theaters, right, no one would the go vault. watch them. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want to threaten that future revenue. So they're like, yeah, Robin Hood, no, <laughs> we probably will never release that again anyway. Let's put that on v- VHS. So huh. it was kind of that mid-tier level. Yeah. It wasn't one of the classics. So I wonder if that was the first one to come out in that classic, what they call the Disney clamshell bucket. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm sure classic. it added something that to the memory. Big- Yes, oversized, gaudy yeah. that everybody that didn't had fit on any shelf that you had. It never <laughs> fit anywhere. Yeah, the thing that that always surprised me about this one is, you know, the voice of Little John, or I'm I'm sorry, of, of Prince John was Peter Ustinov. I mean, yes. like a a you know a Shakespearean dramatic actor that they got to come on and and, and voice this villain, and and that's you know I, normally a lot of those Disney movies, especially from that time, you sort of had that same stable of voice actors. Um, and they really swung for the fences and went out and got used enough to come in and play the bad guy. So that was pretty All cool. All of my top ten have Shakespearean actors in them. So. PJ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is the last one before we uh, stop part one. This is my number six. I'm pretty sure Jordan's the only other one that would have seen this movie, I think. Uh, from 2015, written by Charlie Kaufman. It was originally a radio play in 2005, and it is like as far away from Robin Hood as you can get. It's called Anomalisa. It's on my honorable mention. Oh, good. I couldn't remember whether you enjoyed it or not. What is it to be human? What is it to ache? What is it to be alive? Each person you speak to has had a day... Some of the days have been good, some bad. Each person you speak to has had a childhood. Each has a body. Each body has aches. Look for what is special about each individual. Focus on that. Remember, there is someone out there for everyone. I think you're extraordinary. Why? I don't know yet. It's just obvious to me that you are. Our time is limited. We forget that. grabbed your hand. It's okay. It's a reflex. But I don't like to fly. I said it's okay. You can let go now, though. Uh, it only has three people in it. Three voices in it. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee, David Thulis, who was in Harry Potter, and Tom Noonan um, voices every other character in it. 
Um, it's about this guy. He's an author, and he's on a business trip. Um, and he basically is, you know, his marriage isn't going real well. He's bored in his marriage. He meets a a girl named Lisa, and she looks. She seems different. She's you know than anyone else he's he's met recently, and he's interested in her. And you know they start to form a relationship. The basic gist of it, is, as you watch it, you start to realize that every other person besides her and him has the same face and the same voice, and that's because they do. <laughs> and it took me a while to realize it. Yeah. And I think you're supp- it's supposed to dawn on you. Right. It's not supposed to be immediately apparent. You're right. Until you're like, wait, what? That's a weird way to do that. And then it starts clicking of like, oh, I. It's one of those kind of revelations as you're uh, as the movie's unfolding. Right. That that's why they had to wait 10 years to even bring it to screen is because it, well, why they ch- chose to do it in animation because they couldn't find a way to do it you know really um, it reminded me of a movie and we recently I had asked online a movie that nobody ever talks about that you think about all the time was a movie called Take This Waltz um, I can't remember Michelle Williams is in it um, and Seth Rogen but it's a similar theme of relationships and just how some people can be totally bored in a relationship um, and just the cult of the new. You meet somebody new and they're very exciting and you get in with them and then turn it all ends up the same place. You can totally, if you're not with the perfect person, you know, eventually you're going to end up in a bored, you know, relationship where they, they just look like everybody else and, um, it's just, I mean, it's not the most... It's a feel-good jungle it, Exactly, romp. it's not a jungle <laughs> romp. But I, I really enjoyed it. I, I really like both, both of those. Thelma movies. and Lisa? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's called Anoma Lisa. The girl's name oh. is Lisa, and Anoma Lisa means goddess of heaven. That's just oh. how, what he, you know, called I was her. wondering who Thelma was. Or that she's an anomaly <laughs> right. in his life, so she is Anoma Lisa. Yeah, uh, just heartbreaking and touching and very human. But puppets, it's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good, really good animation. If you like Charlie Kaufman, it's just another Charlie Kaufman movie. I really enjoyed it. So that's it. That's half our lists down already right. in record time. I'm sure. Oh man! Oh yeah, we're we're doing great. Excellent. All right. So Justin, can you come back next week to finish our top ten? I think I can make that work. Okay. So t- stay tuned. Stay on the line. Thank you for listening. Uh, if we haven't got to your your favorite yet, stay tuned. Uh, we will get to it, I'm sure. Or we'll just heavily disappoint you. Yeah, I don't you. know. I'm looking so, at this list. <laughs> so we'll be back very shortly for numbers five through one. Thanks for listening. My name is Jordan Lowe. I'm Cliff Barnes. And I'm Seth. Bye forever. Kapow! The Pop Culture Podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during the podcast are property of copyright holders. All original content is property of www.udownwithkpp.com. Yeah, the tagline on this Walton El Grupo thing, it's, it's a little melodramatic. It literally says, With the world on the brink of war and Nazi influence growing in South America. The U.S. government sought help from a group of artists. Both, and El Grupo, the untold adventures. <laughs> now we know how World War II was won. Exactly.
Thank you, Walt Disney.